Okay, so we're here with Damien and Jan. Um, most of you will know them, our brothers and sisters. And um, the Holy Spirit has sent Jan and Damien and Damien's family all the way from Somerset over to Iraq to serve God there. And uh, I know a lot of us are eager to hear what God's been doing in them and through them. And so we wanted to take a bit of time to hear some of the amazing stories that God's been doing over there. So tell us guys, how did you end up driving to Iraq in a camper van to make disciples of Jesus over there? Tell us the story. Well, good morning everyone. And thank you Ben for inviting us over to do this meeting. Yeah, thanks um, Ben. I would like to give the first word to my brother Jan because the motorhome belonged to him. And for most of the, well, all of the journey really, he sort of, uh, you know, the Lord blessed him to support it. So I'd like him to share about it. Okay. Um, well, uh, yeah, ha hello everybody. Um, so yeah, my name is Jan and uh, um, how did it happen? Well, um, I, I, sort of in brief, um, I think I, I met uh, Damien um, about four, four years ago, I think it was, maybe more, and through you, Ben. And um, uh, we, and then we got chatting and things and got to know each other and started hanging out um, outside the mission work we were doing with you, Ben. And uh, obviously there was there was a connection, and um, so and one of the, and Damon started talking about what God had spoken to him about things to do abroad about mission work and and he, he sort of uh, uh, basically said um, and he said it was sort of like a heavy heart that God had been speaking to him for quite a while about going to Iraq to be a missionary out there. And he just gave me this line, and all of a sudden said, "said Do you want to come?" And I said, "Yeah, of course I want to come, because uh, I, I'm I, I'm I've given my big yes to Jesus, and uh, and it just sounded like, you know, we, um, uh, Caleb and Joshua, in uh, in the story of uh, in Exodus, where you know the spies go into the promised land." To, to check out uh, the, the 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 opposition and to you know um, to make an impact um, and so I that that would be my favourite one of my favourite stories so I just thought oh he, here's my Joshua he, you know and so yeah of course we're going to go in and uh, um, you know in this sort of like I don't know biblical romantic childlike sense of like be, be a hero of the bible uh in in that you know whether it's foolhardy or 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 um courageous or bold you know maybe both those things and so uh and then um and so i thought to myself oh we're going to go to rock and then it sort of petered out in my heart that it, it seemed seemed not to be like you know, God hadn't been speaking to me over the following the following months, and then and sort of sort of about six months elapsed, elapsed and uh, Damon was started to say, um, "I'm going, I'm going to be going," and I was thinking, "Oh, God, God really spoke to me. I can't really go unless God speaks to me. Don't think maybe it's not on the cards, not a real deal." And so I, 
um, just left it at that. And then something um, significant happened um, in my life, and um, and it, it was like a, it was like a juncture, uh, which I won't go into here. But it was something in my personal life happened, and and it created this sort of juncture in and a, a sort of uh, where I was sort of yeah uh, like a hiatus and then and suddenly um, that happened like on the Sunday so towards the end of July and then by the Wednesday God was speaking to me about um, having me give me images of going to uh, Iraq with Damien going on its adventure and I just saw myself as just going on this you know like in that childhood sense of fun and you know exploring and you know the ups and downs of going abroad and um, going into that land so and then by the next day next morning it was like a fall on a god speaking to me and the picture i always give is like the sea it's like you're in a room and the ceiling and the floor are speaking the same thing and the wall all four walls are saying the same thing you're going to iraq with damien so I said to Damon, I, I texted him and said, God's speaking to me to come. And he said, oh, fantastic, that's great. And, um, um, and, and to, to get, Damon said he was going to walk if he, if he couldn't, didn't have the uh, resources, finances. And I didn't have the finances, finances but I had a credit card um, or two credit cards. And basically, we're just going to fund it on the credit cards. <laughs> the bank's going to pay for this, this credit, you know. And so that was the uh, we we launched that. Went to uh, there as a doing a recce just to find out, just to spy out the land, and um, and then we sort of came back with uh, yeah, sort of being sort of uh, excited by adventure, but also terrified by what we'd seen there and sort of threats that we had um, and uh, um, it, it, well, the first things I remember we got off the bus when we got to uh, this uh, northern Iraq uh, country um, uh, a city was we, it was like night time about 11 o'clock at night and when we got off the bus uh, the first thing I heard was a woman screaming her head off as if from coming from some neighborhood like she was being killed she was like the um a threat like a threat of her life and that's and that was like you know quite spine chilling and that was the opening of uh being in iraq because it was, uh, you know muslim men are allowed to to you know you know beat their wives and uh and you know it's all in, within their law um, and uh, but um, so anyway um, and I know you Ben you want to pop in with that too because no, I'm gonna, getting I was just going to see Damien from your perspective oh, yeah. like what what got you to the point of sensing that God was sending you guys to Iraq yeah I think it is important to mention that this was the first time around the first trip to Iraq mm. the description that Jan just gave that's the first trip mm. and my first calling happened in 2017 really early early 2017 and it was after an event of me basically being revived spiritually and reading the scriptures and praying and getting closer to god it was one of those moments when 
I needed, I needed something to change in my life. And God was leading me into mission, but not any mission. He was leading me to Iraq. And um, like Jan mentioned, we have uh, met each other through you because I was looking for someone to basically um, help me understand how mission works, how you make disciples. And the Lord has led me to meet Van, really. And uh, that took about, I think, about two years of working together. And I just felt the calling to going to Iraq stronger and stronger. Not only that, but I felt equipped to do so through the mission Somerset. And eventually I was in a camp and I was praying, I was seeking God's guidance. And the Lord said, am I willing to walk if I have to? And I said, yes, I am willing. By the end of the two weeks, it was three days left from the two weeks. And the Lord said, don't worry about the money because the money will be provided. I didn't know what he meant then. All I know is that I received a, a message from Jan and came to the camp and he said, I'm coming with you. I was happy to know that Jan is coming with me. Uh, and to be honest, not so much for the financial reasons, but uh, the sheer thought that I was going to go alone, it was a bit scary. Mm. And I was thinking, oh, I have a friend to go with. Mm. So, yeah, Jan joined me. And, you know, the Lord has spoke to both of us individually. Um, and we found ourselves the first time in Iraq. We have spied the land. We, I can't really say that we learned a lot that that time. How long ago was that when you first visited? It was two years ago. Two years ago you went and visited. How long was that visit? So that visit, well, we were in Iraq itself for three days. Yeah. No, I think it was a week. It was about a, we, we spent a whole week there. Um, anyway. Three yeah. days to a week. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, um, and um, we made it our mission to make sure that we would not gonna leave that land without telling people about the need of Jesus. And I remember particularly that first time how a group of men tried to kill me. And I mean this in every sense. I was terrified. I felt like my knees were weak. I felt even if I wanted to, to run, I could not do it. But uh, eventually the Lord has led us into a conversation to talk why they love Muhammad. And after they finished, they asked me why I love Jesus. And once I described why I love Jesus, obviously dying for us and becoming sin on our behalf, they loved that. They loved that idea. We all kneeled and we prayed. And that was, to my best knowledge, that was our last night in there. Mm. Okay, great. So you went and visited despite the land a couple of years ago. Yes. Um, and then you both have had this burning desire to go back so fast forward to this last trip yeah paint as a picture of what it was like then because we see on the news people like me hear different things about iraq it's obviously a very harsh muslim like muslim regime um and you guys arrived four white europeans in a in a big camper van Tell us what, what it was like then, what happened. Tell us some of the people that you've met and what God's been doing. Yeah, so it's interesting because the second trip around, it was very different from the first one. The first trip around, I can only speak for myself. While we were driving to Iraq, we, well, I thought it was my last time I was going to see my wife. 
But this second time around, as COVID has hit, the country was under lockdown. I just felt the sense that the Lord was leading me to go to Iraq, but I couldn't see how it was going to happen. So in September um, last year, uh, my grandmother, she had uh, COVID and she died. And I went to her funeral with the family together, we gathered there. And after we buried her, I was very ill in the hospital. And I remember I have never felt such pain. And basically, I just felt like I was going to die too. I was near that. Well, you had COVID, didn't you? I had COVID. Yeah. And I remember I was on the bed and I just felt my spirit was separating from my, my body. And I was there was nothing I could do to hold my life in my body. All I could remember was I said to Jesus, I said, Lord, I'd rather die as a martyr than dying on a bed in Romania in a communist hospital. Ten minutes after that prayer, I remember going to the loo and I'd thrown up, but I was fine after that. And when I arrived back in England, uh, I knew I was going to have to go to Iraq. The Lord was already on my mind for a few months telling me that I need to go back. And as soon as I arrived back in England, Jan said that the Lord was speaking to him as well and that we needed to be ready in October to leave. And I wasn't even fully recovered. I remember I was still very weak from COVID, freshly out of the hospital, uh, barely walking, pain everywhere, aching and hurting. And, and I said, well, I have nothing to lose. I might as well just go. <laughs> and uh, basically, well, very ill. But uh, yeah, me and Jan and my wife and my son, we went in the van and basically started driving towards Iraq. Didn't really know what we were going to do when we get there. We just believed and hoped that the Lord was going to show us. Jan, yeah. do you want to take it over? Um, so yeah, we, um, we got there. Uh, we, got, we went to uh, Romania to first in, in the motorhome and we were there for, I think, um, maybe two weeks or something like that I can't remember and then we, we decided right we've got to you know bite the pill we've got to go do this last bit to get into uh, Iraq and um, and we, what, we, we were quite um, frightened about the whole thing of driving in to Iraq because we'd seen like two years previously the road system there was completely mad it didn't make any sense Turkey was it was there was logic with Turkey it wasn't too different from European but the driving the motorhome in Iraq was a bit scary and but we also had to, we also feared about accidentally driving into Mosul which is like ISIS ISIS held area so, and um, so the but anyway we, we eventually crossed the border from Turkey into Iraq went through the whole uh, procedure with passports which uh, both Turkish side and the uh, Iraqi side it's a long-winded eight-hour ordeal um, where they're just basically pulling money out of you for this this and that and um, um, and uh, we we got on the road and we we, we um, stuck to going to this uh, a northern um, Iraqi city uh, which I'm I'm not mentioning uh, for obvious reasons, but uh, I probably I've probably said it already. Anyway, but just that's by and by. And uh, so we we got into this area of the city, 
and um, we proceeded to try and find a place to live. Um, and which, uh, yeah, so we eventually found like a, a three-bed place to, to rent, um, and we uh, basically were chucked out by the local uh, uh, police uh, because we were um, uh, European nationals, and we weren't allowed. We can't. European nationals can't just base, uh, live anywhere. So we. Um, Tell us what, so you, you guys have arrived in the city, Yeah. you're trying to source somewhere to live, you feel that Jesus has called you there with a purpose, <clears throat> what was it actually like though, how did you even start, or what were your days like, or what were you, what was it like? Um, it, it was It was sort of, it was just because we were in this transition, we weren't into full mission, but, so we stayed at a hotel, mm. and it's quite a cheap hotel, uh, near the centre, and but they you know it was our nature just to talk to people like Jesus so who were the people around us and they were waiters mm -hmm. so I got chatting to and and to the Syrian guy who had a bit a certain amount of English this, this guy is like a, a 20 year old lad and um, he, he was he, he you know he wanted to chat to us and um, so and we started to tell him about Jesus and um, this is a, we're still at the hotel, and and basically we he he was responding to it. He's a Muslim background, and 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 we kept connected with him. Um, we eventually um, ended up at a a, a a a missionary base, a bit some missionary base, American missionary base. Um, which had a church, and um, we basically because we got chucked out of this 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 area, residential area, as I was saying before, and and we got connected um, through a contact, uh, and then basically they said this uh, missionary American missionary said come come over and you can live with us and t bring all your uh, furniture, you know, like fridges and freezers and. Uh, bit of stuff that we'd already, you know, accumulated for this house. They've got a garage. We anyway, we started to live in this missionary building, and in 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 Iraq, and um, and then this we eventually baptized this this guy, this waiter from this hotel, and uh, so that was like that was like quite. Probably in the first month, it was, we were thinking, "Wow, this is this is amazing," you know. We're gonna like get some. We got traction already, and we baptized him on the, the top floor, which is like out, uh, outside because all the roofs out there are flat, uh, and so it was in a paddling pool. And we baptized him, and uh, and it was just a, just I was like, "Oh, just as we sort of thought it would happen," and. Um, uh, and it's almost like we had this vision of how it should happen, because from being from the UK, the way we we meet people and people respond, and and the first thing uh, when people respond to say, you know, we got they got to be obedient, and and what's the first obedient act, and that's to be baptized. So he, you know, he responded really well, and um, um, but that it was almost like we came with like this expectation like we had a mindset a european mindset 
to a Muslim country and it, we realize now in retrospect that was that was you know how God was working and, and how um, when you you know project a certain idea it can happen when you have belief and faith but as we got to know the, 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 the terrain and the people and the mindset and the Muslim you know mindset um, we realized how um, unique that was and it's, it was like almost like a one-off thing that happened um, so yeah what was it like Damien when you when you arrived what what were you thinking or where did you even think to even start yes that's a very good question actually um, when we arrived in there it was different from the first arrival because the first time when we arrived it felt very hostile it's like when people were looking at you you would get the sense that you've done something wrong even if you didn't do something wrong it's just the way they looked at you it was very different the first trip around but this time around I couldn't tell the difference I just couldn't tell the difference really it's like um, we felt we were like almost like an, in a holiday place but then again the reality is is sort of um, the holiday experience is deceiving because um, soon I realized that actually even though it looks like everything is safe everything looks fine everything is perfect the truth and the reality is it's only like a, a face to it because all it takes for you is to do one wrong thing and basically everything can just turn turn against you and it's, it's then that you realize actually oh your life is in danger uh, and even if you wanted to escape there is nowhere to run uh, the things that are available to you to save your life are very limited so yeah if you're coming to visit Iraq you would think oh it's it's a great place in a sense it's hot it's dusty they don't have sewers and it smells a bit but you have your rich and you have your poor so it's hard to really put a description on what it feels like to be there but if you spend some time in Iraq and you get to know the locals you soon realize actually if I say the wrong thing if I mention something about Jesus and about his deity things will turn very quickly and um, yes they have a secret police what they call the Saish and yes you will not have any problems with them but I do believe if one of their local people was to report you and say look this guy is trying to deliberately convert people to Christianity I think you're in serious trouble mm. so that's my feeling that's what I that's my experience I mean what do you think Jan? well yeah I mean what, like when we were chucked out of um, that first neighborhood like uh, you and the interpreter um, uh, basically went to the police to basically give an account of who you were and what you were doing and what your intentions were and they were they were like very aggressive very heavy and uh, and the interpreter was like demolished by by the the sheer sort of aggression of these police so yeah that there is uh, the, you know the threat is potentially quite dangerous and uh, um, you know if you yeah, there, there. So I recognise that, and I, I suppose, um, 
personally, I, I probably, uh, I push things until they bite. And I probably won't <laughs> like listen to pe what people's advice is. I'll try and find out, is this true? <laughs> is this true? And so I'm going to push stuff and um, until I think, oh, that's, that's, de that, that's a bit sharp or... And so, um, so I, I would go, because in this country, I go street preaching and I uh, go door knocking and, um, you know, offer like healing on the streets and I'm, and I'm always communicating the gospel with people wherever they are. So uh, I, um, that's what I did in, in this city. And I, 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 so I wasn't getting um, any blowback from any, any police. Hey, hang on, you'd publicly preach publicly in preach. a public place yeah. in a city in hardcore Muslim Iraq. Yeah, yeah. What, so what, what happened then? What was it like? Um, well, the, I didn't get any police coming up to me, but I remember this, this guy came up to me and he, he, he basically, we sort of locked horns about uh, uh, Christianity versus the Quran. And and his his sort of uh, he, he, he he showed me his WhatsApp handle and it was his he, he called himself Lucifer, uh, which was quite ironic. <laughs> the first engagement I had, and he sort of blowback, and um, I, I was uh, yeah there was this you know name, um, uh, it's, you know obviously he. Uh, Lucifer, you know, the the enemy had sent their like a henchman to, to you know, confront, take me on. That was the first time. He, I never ever saw him again. But I continued to preach the gospel on the streets, um, and I have I stir a lot of curiosity, and a little bit of a bit of tension, and people would be saying. You know, to, uh, we had to have, be having discussions, and uh, they 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 would say, you know, uh, um, and so um, um, yeah, my my thread's lost. Yeah. So there was just the, like um, somebody wants to put a sprinkler on in, in this the pub yeah. garden so at you, the moment, so, so that's throwing me off. A bit. From what I heard and so you're you made a start by spreading the gospel yeah publicly meeting people yeah learning a lot about how to engage with Muslims yeah. and the Quran and things like that yeah so the, and then but I was doing exactly like I would be doing in the UK but they'd be saying things like um, well you can't actually mention your Bible because the Quran says um, they, or the, the imams, I found out, say this: that um, the Bible is corrupt, and the only re reference, because the the Quran is made up of the Old and New Testament, and um, it, it's um, and so you can't use the Bible as reference, and there's no d divinity in, in Jesus being God, and. We, we 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 the triune God is a bit mad because Allah is the true one God, and you you Christians don't actually worship a one God. You you worship three. So and it, and your Bible is corrupt. So you couldn't use the Bible. You'd get lock horns and and you'd like raise the ante 
and so I, I remember one conversation with one guy said you know if you if you lay down the the, the uh, Quran to somebody and tell them the truth which is the Quran and they don't listen you're like a kafir which basically means you could you could we could kill you and uh, and he got very um, forthright about this uh, um, you could feel the spirit starting to come in here that uh, a very a demonic spirit as he was speaking and um, and so I I'd, I'd get like a sense of uh, um, a sense of a threat, but um, nothing I felt like um, dangerous or, or threatened. And then I would I I'd keep going to this to the square down into the uh, where everybody gathered in uh, down um, in the centre. Where and I'd sometimes get like twenty thirty guys standing around me, and I'd be like. Um, um, talking to them and um, that got interesting and and then the police would see you know be like two police officers walking around and they would sort of ask people at the edge of the crowd saying you know what what's he on about and they'd say oh he's he's talking about um, you know the the angel the gospel and they they would just go oh all right and then they just walk on and as if they they didn't have any uh, experience or precedent to to sort of um, intervene um, or that's what it seemed like so it's it, um, and I, I never I never got any blowback from um, any of the authorities so I, I just I've and I've uh, I just carried on but um, in the course of me being on the street there uh, somebody observed me talking um, about the Quran about the Bible and things uh, and he was a secret Christian um, uh, had did have connections to the, this missionary church in the past and um, he, he basically um, took me aside and he, he, he uh, basically advised me on a certain way of approaching uh, speaking about the Bible, about Christianity, but through the Quran, because, like I said, the Quran, uh, met, you know, talks about Jesus as a prophet. Talks about, you know, like I said, it's based on the, the Bible, and so he said there's a certain approach, and he'd writ, had some literature, and and I was starting to get literature from different sources from Americans that had been missionaries there and how to engage people through the Quran but with biblical references so I started to um, not mention the Bible directly but verses in the Quran that mention Jesus uh, and uh, the point of his divinity so and so that was so I would get a lot more respect from them because I was quoting the Quran and so that became an int very much more um, I got more interesting responses and uh, and where people would start to uh, start to accept uh, Jesus mm. um, and so that was uh, you know a real positive encouraging thing mm. um, so we we know from our time working together in Somerset don't we the mm. importance of preaching the gospel publicly but also from house to house yeah and um, I was wondering, Damien, tell us about some of the people and situations that you, God opened up. Because I'm thinking about the the person who was in the like the army, and you know some of the households that God opened up to you guys. Right. 
Um, yeah, the guy in the army, I think um, we met that guy very differently. Um, yeah. Sure, Jan will share about how. But uh, yeah, what Jan has shared is, is totally true, you know. That's how he does it. And the more I listen to Jan, I realize how differently I do things. <laughs> and I think Jan is here to confirm that I do things very differently. Like I never went in a town to preach. I never done that. Nor would I uh, take the Quran to debate with them. I don't do that either. I, I do things slightly different. And um, yeah, I think it's the way the Holy Spirit leads each one of us. It's like so differently. It's like the more I listen to you and I realize that uh, it's like we, we are very different. Mm. My approach was sort of um, it's when Jesus sent two of them in the villages and he said, go find a person of peace. So I would go in a village and then I would try to find the person of peace who then would take me to the other households. And through that, we were able to get into like seven villages and see some people, you know, different houses. We lost one village as we were so, speaking earlier so on. So, you guys know me. Yeah. We want to hear practical stories because yeah. people could hear what you've just said and thought, yeah. nah, you know, does that yeah. actually still happen today, like Jesus said? So, yeah. tell us actually, tell yeah. us an actual story. So, basically, obviously, I do what Jan does as well. I went into coffee places and I meet people in coffee places. I just sit at the table and I make friends with people. Mm. But one particular morning, I was praying and I said, Lord, I'm like, I want to see a big thing happening. And I didn't know how to do a big thing. So after reading the Bible and thinking, all right, but Jesus sent two of them in the village. And I said, there's no one going into the villages. So I spoke with Jan. I said, what if it were to do like a big mission going into these villages and try to preach, you know, do door knocking over there. Just try to see what was going to work in these villages. And we both said yes, um, but I don't know what happened. The spirit basically is very interesting. We woke up that morning and the Lord said to me, go to Baharka. And it's funny because that morning the Lord said to me, I'm going to Baharka, totally separate from one another. <laughs> All I know is that I end up in Baharka with my interpreter. And Jan was in Baharka. I don't know if you did you have an interpreter that morning? I don't think I did, no. No, you didn't have one, but I had one. And I just called Jan and said, Jan, I'm in Baharka, where are you? He goes, I'm in Baharka too, I'm with this family. And I go, oh wow, this is great. I said, so the Lord really knows what he's doing. So after praying, I said, Lord, which direction sh should I take? You know, because there's so many villages in there. And the Lord said, you know, just go outside of Baharka just a little bit. It was a village I've seen before, but I've never entered there before. So I decided to drive there. So I've driven into the village. The village doesn't look anything like England. If you can think of um, a mountainous area, and then the house is being very sporadic, nothing makes sense of these houses, but yet there is maybe 30, 40 families that live in that village, but they are all related, cousins, brothers, uncles, you name it. They are all related, and, and, and it's only the family that owns that village. So no foreigners whatsoever, there is no strangers, in the community and I said to myself well number one I can't knock to these doors because well I don't know these guys and I was a bit scared I have to admit I was really scared because I'm thinking I knock at their door they'll open the door and what do I say hey you want to hear about Jesus 
as far as that is good, my son is doing that. <laughs> He's take, Jan is taking him out to do door knocking. And this is one of the things that my son does. But instead the Lord said, go to the local shop. Now, if you want to imagine the local shop, it's basically a garage, a rundown garage. And all they had in there was just a few drinks and a couple of crisp bags, maybe bread, just literally the basics of basics. I've got in there, I've took a drink and I sat there and I started to drink my drink. And this child who was serving me, he took me to the community, to the, to the leader of that community, to the elder. Once I met the elder, he took me and he introduced me to all his families in the neighborhood. So basically through one man, I ended up in all of their houses, but not only that, but they, they felt pleasure to feed me. And they started cooking for me, sitting down with me, talking with me, asking me questions about my faith. But very early on, I told them, I said, I'm a Christian and I teach people about Jesus. Because they said, what do you do for a living? And I said, this is what I do for a living. I teach people how to obey Jesus. So they're like, you're a Christian. I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. And that gave us opportunity to talk about Jesus. Of course, like I said earlier on, there are do's and don't do's and sometimes you know, one particular village, because we have quite a few of them, one particular village, we gave them little children's leaflets. And these children's leaflets, he said that Jesus is God. All of the villagers took him gladly, they took it happily. We had the fun day, we played football. You know, we were gonna teach them English. Like we had so many plans with this village. And that one little verse, where it was written on a piece of leaflet and it was handed to them. It changed everything, even though it's a subject that we have spoken before with the elder. The three new guys who came from the neighboring village, they, they, they seemed not to like that. And they got really angry and they said, well, don't come back. But we still have other villages, which we haven't done that. And we learned like what to do and not to do. But yeah, this is how we do it. Uh, we, we, we drive in a village, stop at the local shop, pray at the local shop, and the leader will come and get you to his house. <laughs> and we eat food with them. And then they'll take you to all his friends. Like, you need to come and see this neighbor, and you come and need to meet this person. So literally so, like what Jesus said in Matthew 10 and Luke 10? Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that, like, that, um, that's where i because i've heard you say that before but yeah you were reading uh the bible and the gospels about J jesus going into villages and he said to you go to the villages so that i i not heard that clearly from you and i think uh, and so you just responded and and went out um and and so i, I suppose what my uh, uh sort of calling is is probably more in the city and about because uh, like 30 to 40% of the population speak English. So I'd, I, most of the time I'm not using an interpreter. I've, I sort of work more by myself, um, which is good or a bad thing, I don't know, but um, that's my sort of habit. And so what I'm probably good at, and, and you know, we're part of the body, uh, we have different functions. I'm probably good at finding people. Mm. And um, like with the, with that chap the, from the hotel, um, I, I, I found him. Um, but what Damon's good at is then discipling them. Yeah. 
mm. and I remember one night one day in the park and he just went through all these different parts of the Bible and he was reading to him giving the um, Arabic and he was reading the Arabic and and there was you know and it was building up and he was responding to this and I, I said to uh, Damon afterwards what, what did which things did you take him through and and he said I can't remember but it's just the Holy Spirit just guided him and but uh, and it was like I just can't do this it's not my calling to um, have that sort of um, and I've, you know, I've read the Bible for 20 odd years but um, so he so he in the body um, I have one function to find people Damon has a function to then go further like with um, with the, the, this, the so, soldier the yeah the soldier tell us that story well uh, I mean I, I, I didn't sort of find him directly on the streets but I I went through a period of trying to find a an interpreter and I put an ad in in Facebook I put for in the local sort of um, uh, sort of page they have in the city and he he was the only person that responded only person <laughs> who responded so, and so and and he was from he was a Syrian from um, had a sort of a, a basic sort of Catholic background so he wasn't uh, from a Muslim background and um, so he started to become my interpreter we went around uh, neighborhoods uh, refugee neighborhoods of the city on the outskirts of town um, uh, and started to make contact and as sort of uh, missionaries you're, you they have certain needs the, the refugees food medical issues uh, and I remember one one day we uh, we were at this house, and the, the, one of their, their teenage sons had a broken arm. He had concussion. He'd been to the hospital. They had medical needs. You know, pay, you know, needed a bit of um, support there. And and obviously, I could see he was lying down and not very looking very uh, well because he'd he'd been like uh, it'd been snowing and he'd been on the roof and he was fiddling with the aerial. Uh, he'd fallen off. It was probably like. Uh, a, a 15 foot drop but it, it was pretty bad he was look he looked bad and he and and I, and I said can I pray for him and and uh, so and I said to our, um, my, my soldier friend he's, he's um, an ex-soldier uh, and he he prayed for him I, I so I prayed for him and he interpreted to this family and as I was praying um, said so, you know I was praying in the name of Jesus this boy be healed they they were saying they was she was saying as as it was being interpreted she was saying god forbid you know to be praying in the name of jesus and and it was it was like a a curse i was bringing into the house so it was um and so there was there's moments like that and that where and another time when i was going through uh, talking about the bible through the quran uh with this family another family uh, that we'd you know we'd be built up a relationship with them with bringing food paying for certain needs and uh, 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 and then we would just you know um, just uh, you, know, re you know talking to them about about uh, what the Quran says about Jesus and, and initially they'd say yes oh I know the Quran and I'd say, oh, look, here's a verse that sort of says very, you know, uh, specifically 
um, you know, Jesus is coming back, you know, and, you know, to worship him now, uh, uh, rather than be, be, a ju be judged by him when he comes back, you know, or when he died. Um, and, um, and she, she, I realised she, she didn't, she, you know, she couldn't read, but, but she wouldn't be able to, she wasn't able to sort of accept what I'd said. Even if I'd sort of said, would you like to say something in a prayer after me, making confirmation? And she said, no, there's no way I could do that as, as a Muslim. Um, and you could feel the, the pressure of the neighbourhood because as Europeans coming to that neighbourhood, they'd be asking them, where, 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 what were they, what are they doing? Why are they coming around there? Are you, you know, are you going to not be uh, fasting at Ramadan? You know, are you becoming a Christian? So they'd be ostracised. And there'd be threats on their lives. I mean, we knew other families that have uh, that turned Christian, uh, that where they, like an uncle, would be on the phone threatening to kill them. And and like uh, this teenage uh, uh, member of the family, she, she looked completely. She looked anorexic. You know, you could see the 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 the, the worry they lived in, the fear they lived in, and. Um, so it's it's the 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 threat not from the state necessarily they assume that the state would would intervene and they may intervene with Syrians they may chuck them out possibly there's a threat but there's no uh, evidence of that with, with talking with this uh, um, uh, um, NGO uh, Christian uh, American charity that been on the ground there for probably about 20 15 20 years um, so it, it's um, so yeah. It, it, it's I've, I've lost my thread there a bit. Tell but us about that, how you got into the army guy's house? Yes, that's the, so he. Like I said, he responded to um, uh, the advert. He I was, I was using him as an interpreter. He was seeing what the work I was doing, and he he started to connect with it. Thought this is this is really good, and. Um, he, and I, you know, he hadn't been baptized, and uh, so, and he, 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 you know, he responded to um, wanted to be baptized, and we baptized him in a lake, and um, uh, but he was um, very reluctant to 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 pick up the, the the idea of to share the gospel because obviously he, he had a fear and a sense of uncertainty about his his position in northern Iraq and potentially could be chucked out so he you know back to Syria so he he was very and he to me he I couldn't get through to him that um, uh, you know that the, the, the threat really wasn't it was more to do in people's minds than actual fact um and he 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 wouldn't he just wouldn't what he just didn't, didn't want to sh share the gospel and um although he you know he was making a commitment and he could see and feel god's presence in his life and it started to change things and his work situation changed because uh with and he started to do teach at a refugee camp through connections that I had you know God was working you know I wasn't just pulling all the strings God was working as well I I only had a certain amount of uh, you know I had a few connections 
And so he, he knew God was working, God was a real thing. But, it, but this thing of, uh, of uh, speaking to others about his faith was a problem. But then that's where Damien took over. Because when Damien met him, um, uh, he seemed to be able to get through to him. And then before we left, he was saying, yes, I'm going to dedicate four days of the week um, to going out and, and into the parks and talking to people. And so to this day, he is that, uh, that legacy of what we're doing is to spread and seeding in northern Iraq. And there's somebody there who speaks a native tongue who's mm. spreading the gospel to people uh, uh, who uh, understand him and connect with him and, uh, and you know, praise the name of Jesus um, because that was a mir- that was a, that's a miracle from where I, I, I could only... I found him, but Damien was able to... Conv- uh, convince him by the grace of God and um, you know it's our, our legacy it's like he's our gem he's um, and it isn't his, his name I was gonna say his, his, his name basically suggests like a gemstone mm. and he is our gemstone yeah. in Iraq at this point uh, with the, which we, we hope to join with him uh, God willing if we get funding to go back and, and you know carry on the work yeah I think it's very important to mention that when, when we first met this guy, uh, basically I, I was upset with him. I was really angry because when he was interpreting for us, he was scared to even use the name of Jesus as simple Jesus or, um, you know, he said Jesus the prophet. And that was one of the rules. You just don't do that. You don't go around, you know, translating Jesus the prophet. You just don't do that. So basically, we were arguing with him, like, uh, why, why, did you, why did you preach in translation that Jesus is a prophet? And after having a conversation with him, I said to him, look, we are here to train people who are like you, who wants to become leaders. I said, we do have a vision here. I know exactly what I want to get. And I want to see people falling in love for Jesus, changing their lives and other people's lives. And I remember that conversation very, very clearly with him. And he just listened and he said, okay, I would like that. So you, you called him to be a leader almost before, you know, he really understood a lot. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I said to him, I said, when I, when I look at you, I look at the leader and that's what I expect of you. Mm-hmm. And when you translate next time about Jesus, make sure you never translate prophet. You can say Jesus, it's enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that was clear after a couple of months, you know, spending it with Jan, he has fallen in love with Jan, you know, like brotherly love. Mm. And they've been working together. Jan has helped him a lot. And I've seen him two months later. And basically, he was so grateful to have Jan in his life. Mm. And uh, we mentioned to him, you know, about baptism. Mm. And he, he took it on board. But the reality is, before his baptism, like, uh, if you can think of a worldly man, and all the characteristics of what a worldly man means, that, that was him. Mm. But after his baptism, literally we would, we would see things in his life, right? Mm. And we point them out. And some of the things were difficult things, of course. As you know, we are man and a mm. single man, and I think your, your, your imagination can get what I'm trying to say. And he would just stop. He would say, okay, I need to stop this, and I need to stop this. And he literally would adequate his life to all of the teaching he would take all of the teaching that we, we, we would give him on board mm. and um, 
I just prayed with him last week because we are doing a Bible study every week and I send them like Bible courses to do and I have to admit the guy is so filled with the Holy Spirit just like listening to him and seeing his questions that he comes up with and his passion for Jesus from not wanting to say Jesus to going around and telling others that they need him. How long has that taken? When was that? So this all happened within the last four months. So in four months he's yeah. gone from replying to an advert yeah. that Jan put online yeah. to becoming an influential leader who's spreading the gospel yes. when you guys are not there. Yes, and people actually listen to him, they follow him, they, his words matter. And why do I say this? Is because when we met other Muslim people and we were sharing about how, what is our purpose in life, and I, I made it clear that my purpose was that none of my friends would go to hell. Mm. They said that's their purpose as well. And I said, well, does anyone listen to you? And they said, no. And I said, well, that's a big problem because a leader, when he speaks, people need to listen to him. Mm. And Amir has become that leader, mm. you know, from a background that no one wanted to listen to him, mm. to actually following him. And his words have meaning and they have power. What did so share what he said when he was sharing about why he wanted to be baptized? I remember you said that he'd been watching you guys. Yes. Tell tell the listeners what what he said. It's quite amazing. Yeah. So basically, he said that for a long time now he was observing us as we are as a family, friendships, relational. He was observing us, and our lifestyle was desirable to him, and that what has given birth into him to basically want to be like us. Mm. It reminds me of the scripture where Paul said that your love mm. has been so great amongst yourself that many people all across you know, the country has become Christians because mm. of your great love. Mm. And I think that's what the, the, you know, he must have seen because every time we speak, he makes it clear that he loves Jan and the things that Jan has done for him, there was no one else that has, would have ever have done that. Mm. So he, he does see Jan as a big part of his life. And share about, you know, because we're all back here praying for you guys and we get these little snippets of videos and, you know, it just, it was sort of mind-blowing. You're thinking, wow, how, who are these people and what's God doing and everything? Tell us about, you sent a video over once, Damien, about you'd been looking at some scriptures with people and they were passing it along. And tell us about... I think you'd been thinking, you know, how do I disciple these guys or how do I help people to engage with the scriptures? Do you remember that? Yes. Tell us about what, what that was, what was happening there. So, um, basically, well, what I do with people, I always try to think, how can I make the scriptures more practical? And I found two of the ways. What is important to know about Iraq, that these guys have not been educated in over 50 years. Right? So their education has started only 50 years ago. So all the people who are f sort of within that period of time, they, don't, they can't read. They only receive what you give them. And if you ask them if they're able to read or write, they will always say yes, even if it's a no. <laughs> so with people when we meet, we, we obviously we read a chapter. We, we make sure that we read it both in English and both in Arabic. And then we use, obviously, the translator to ask them the questions. And we have some questions. Can I just read the questions? Yeah, go for it. So the questions that we ask, obviously, are, what does it say to you? Mm. And this establishes the fact that the, the Word of God is alive and communicates with each other. Mm. How does this apply to your life? 
this points to the fact that the word of God is applicable. What are you doing? What are you going to do about it? Yeah. This points to the fact that when we need to act, once we understand the message, who are you going to share it with? This points to the fact that we, we have a responsibility to share the message of God. Mm. When are you going to do it? Mm. And this shows that there is an urgency mm. to go ahead with it. Mm. And so when we meet with people, obviously we go through these questions, mm. but then we also enact it. Yeah. And we have quite some videos that we put together <laughs> where the disciples came together, they read the passage and after we read it, we said, okay, so let's do it. Let's imagine that we are in that story and we picked the Jesus and we picked one of the guy was Jesus. The other guy was, you know, someone in, in the story. Mm. And we basically just used the words of the Bible and enacted from the beginning to the end. And we've done it a few times and we even filmed it. And it's amazing to see that the people not only are reading the message, but we, we made it practical for them. We made it fun for them. And they enjoyed it. They really did. And, you know, we have several videos with several groups of people. And, you know, it's amazing to be able to use the Word of God as a practical thing, not just something that is hypothetical. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know, Jan was talking about Joshua and Caleb earlier. I think a lot of people would look at somewhere like Iraq. Um, you know, a hardline Muslim country and would think, wow, you know, there's no fruit there, but actually you guys are testifying and have done over and over again that you're meeting people that God is at work in. And um, what are some of the things that you've heard people, like I understand you've shared that sometimes in a group setting, there's quite a lot of kind of peer pressure and cultural pressure to kind of speak well of mm. Islam and all that stuff but you know tell us so we can keep praying for you guys tell us what are some of the things you've heard that when you've dug a bit deeper with people what are people saying about Islam and their faith and things like that okay do you want me or do you want me to do um, it doesn't matter it doesn't, uh, um, okay. well I think the there is this um, because they they uh, most people are uh, cultural Muslims, nominal Muslims. So they don't actually, they may not, they may have read the Quran once, they know something about the Quran, they go to uh, services uh, and, you know, go to mosques and things. And on the outside, they look, everybody, most people are, have a devout a sense of, uh, of, you know, being uh, believers. But yeah, if you if you go below the surface, they 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 handle on the Quran isn't isn't that great, and so it's in some ways it's that's it's 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 a strength and his weakness, but it but it's a, a, it can be seen in some ways as superficial, and um, and so you know so if you know something about the Quran, you can start to. Um, uh, approach things and ask them certain questions, and um, you know to delve deeper. Um, but like, I think one of the things that we, with using interpreters or people, have come sort of close to us and worked with us. And there was one quite early on, um, one of the interpreters, and, and he's like a twenty-year-old guy, and and he he was great to. Um, maneuver around the city 
and getting contacts and finding places uh, initially to buy furniture and and you know practical needs like that. But and he would come to this this American uh, um, uh, you know uh, 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 sort of organization and uh, and they'd they'd have a church going on for like there'd be like forty odd people come to made up of uh, sort of Iranians and 